Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in seal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If at all possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Love needs to be genuine. It needs to be real. If there is something that people can spot a mile away, it's a fake. People can tell if you're not being real with them. Paul is writing to the church in Rome and explaining to them that as followers of Christ, they can't simply fake love for others. Their love has to be real. It has to be genuine. He invites them to love one another with mutual affection, outdoing each other in showing love, in showing honor. When I read this, I thought about a funny skit I saw a long time ago. It was of two people that were being so polite to each other that they kept insisting on the other one going first through the store. After you. No, after you. No, I insist you go first. No, 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 you go first. It was quite comical, as neither wanted to yield to the other one and actually go in first. But the point I want to make is that they didn't do it out of pretense, but out of genuine care for one another. They really wanted the other one to be honored by going first through the door. One of the ways we show love is by not insisting on our own way, on being first, or always being right, or even on insisting that we are better than someone else. Paul wanted Christians in Rome to be known by how loving they were to each other, even though the other people might not always be loving to them. Rome was not the easiest place for someone to be a Christian. It was at the heart of the Roman Empire. Paul was 
I mean, Rome was flooded with emperor worship. There was many pagan gods and temples. There was a lot of immoral behavior, not to mention having to endure persecution and the risk of imprisonment and even death for being a Christian. So given this context, Paul writes to encourage the Christians in the city in their faith. He wants to give them some advice as to how to live out their faith given these very difficult circumstances. The first thing that he tells them is, do not lag in seal. Keep up your enthusiasm in pursuit of your faith. Don't let it become stale. Don't let your energy level drop. Keep up the pace. Do you remember when you first became a Christian? I bet that it was an exciting time in your life. For most of us, it was like a waking up out of a sleep or coming to a realization of something wonderful because we understood for the first time that Jesus Christ had given his life for us. Paul is basically saying, don't lag in that seal, that, that ardent desire that you felt then. He says, be ardent in spirit, and ardent comes from the word of being on fire. Keep up the fire of the spirit inside of you. Stay passionate about the gospel. Stay on fire for Jesus. Continue to keep that first love that you experienced when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Next, he says, serve the Lord. Remember, we are here, you and I, to serve the Lord. When we say we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, we're also saying by definition that we are his servants, that we are his slaves, that we are in his service because we are putting ourselves under the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord and we are his to command and direct. So serve him in whatever he calls you to do. Obey him when he instructs you in your life. If he says Change something, change it, because he is supposed to be Lord of your life. Then he says, rejoice in hope. This gospel is good news. Our hope of eternal life and glory with Jesus and God in heaven is a cause for rejoicing. Ours is a story with a happy ending. Any story that ends with us in glory before the God who loved us so much that he came into the world and died for us on a cross is a great story. We are a people of hope and hope is a cause for rejoicing. And the word rejoicing means to experience joy over and over and over again. Paul is saying as Christians, we should be rejoicing in the hope that we have in Christ over and over again. And then he says, be patient in suffering. Paul was acknowledging that sometimes we will experience in this life suffering. That in following Jesus, there will be tough times, difficult times. That in going through this life, in this world, there will be illness and strife and turmoil. That there will be injustice. That there will be times in which we will just really have a tough time of it. He says, be patient. Better days are still up ahead. 
It is easier for us to be patient in suffering when we know that suffering will come to an end. And you know, the scripture tells us that when Jesus comes back, there'll be no more tears, no more illness. All of these things that make this life difficult are going to be gone. So we can be patient in suffering, knowing that those better days are ahead. And then he tells us to persevere in prayer. You can't do this Christian life alone without communicating with your Heavenly Father. You've got to keep that communication open through prayer. Don't stop praying because things get tough. Don't stop praying because things get better. Don't stop praying at all. Because prayer has to be a constant. It has to be something that we do through the ups and through the downs. It's something that we continue to do without ceasing, no matter what the situation might be, no matter what the circumstances. Continue to talk to your Heavenly Father because He wants to be in communication with you in this way. And then He says, contribute to the needs of the saints. Paul envisioned a beloved community of faith in which no one went hungry or thirsty or naked because the community itself would step up to the plate to supply each other's needs. He even says, extend this hospitality out to strangers, even those who are not yet part of the family of faith. Hospitality was one of the ways Christians were to witness to their faith. Because in the culture of the time, hospitality was highly valued. You showed hospitality to somebody and you honored them. It was a way of showing them appreciation and love when they came into your home. Because this was a way to do this, he saw extending hospitality to the stranger as a way to reach them with the good news of Christ. You are loved. You who are a stranger are welcome in the house. You have a place here. If Paul had stopped there, this would already be a great list of useful advice for any Christian at any place at any time. You could say that doing these things in our lives would help strengthen our faith, that it would help promote our witness and keep us focused on following Jesus. You could say that doing these things would enhance our, our witness in our lives in general. However, the advice for the most part has been about how to behave in the community of faith with each other and towards each other. Except for that last bit on hospitality to the stranger. It has all been about Christian to Christian relationships inside the community of faith. But Paul wants to extend this to the outside, to the community at large. He wants to now turn his attention to how Christians are supposed to behave with those who are outside, most of which are hostile to the gospel most of which are hostile to them as Christians. How are we supposed to respond to persecution, to people cursing us or wishing us ill? You know, we've experienced that at times. People that won't talk to us because they know we're Christian and they know that we're going to bring up our faith or we're going to bring up God or we're going to bring up the Bible. People that might keep us out of conversations or out of gatherings because they know that we're Christians. You see, 
Paul knew that how we respond to these situations is crucial to our witness. He knew that if we return evil for evil, then we will be no different than the world. If we say we know Jesus and we behave just like the world, our witness suffers greatly. So instead, what does he tell us to do? He tells us to bless those who curse us, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to weep with those who weep. In other words, to learn to have empathy with those around us, even those that are against us, to try to get in their shoes and to understand who they are, what they're going through, and where they're coming from. And then he tells us, live in harmony with one another. And as he says this, he then clarifies, well, we should live in peace with each other in as far as it is possible. You see, I think Paul caught himself and and he realized that it's not always up to us to keep the peace. It's not always possible for us because sometimes it's 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 up to others as well. And so he says, as far as it is up to you, as far as your effort, as far as what is under your domain, keep the peace. Even when we do that, though, we know that there are those that are going to continue to try to cause trouble in our lives. People that are going to try to come against us, not because we aren't trying to keep the peace, but because they insist on waging war against us. They insist on coming against us because of our faith and our witness in Jesus Christ. So Paul wanted these Christians in, in, in Rome to understand that when these things happened, they needed to try to keep the peace in as much as they could control. Paul also wanted the Christians in Rome not to be haughty. In other words, don't become stuck-up Christians. Don't think you're better than them. Don't think that you know, you're too good to associate with the lowly. Don't think too highly of yourselves. You know, whenever we start thinking that we are too good to associate with someone else, we have fallen into the trap of pride, of thinking that we're all that, that we're so good, when the reality is that only God Himself is good. Well, Paul knew firsthand that even if we do all of these things, there would be those who would hurt us, persecute us, and come against us in multiple ways. He wanted the Christians in Rome to know that at those moments, they needed to show restraint and not return evil for evil, that they shouldn't take vengeance on those that hurt them, but that they should leave them up to the Lord, who will judge the living and the dead. This is certainly tough advice to follow, isn't it? Because when we get struck, our immediate reaction is to want to strike back is immediately to want to hurt those that hurt us. But Paul is telling us, no, you can't do that. You have to behave in the way of Christ. He goes even further, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. Repay that evil with kindness. And then he uses a phrase that we just aren't familiar with. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Now, this sounds painful and punishing because, let's face it, that's not a phrase we go around using. You know, I'm just going to go heap some burning coals on somebody's head by being kind to them today. doesn't even make sense to us. 
We're not 100% sure of what Paul really means by this phrase. Because it is such an idiomatic phrase, many translations continue to keep the original language from the Greek, rather than trying to interpret its meaning. They just say it like it says it, burning coals on their heads. Other translations, however, have read the phrase to mean, because by doing so, you will cause your enemies to burn with shame. I think in the grand scheme of things, this is a good reading and a good interpretation. Because we all know that when you treat an enemy with kindness, what you could, they call kill them with kindness, and they come to realize how badly they have treated you or how badly they have acted, the response is usually a feeling of shame and guilt and regret. So do you think that this is what Paul means? Well, I think he means more. I think the goal here is not just to embarrass or to shame the enemy, but rather it is to win them over through our kindness and love. When they see how we don't return evil for evil, they want to know more about this Jesus that we say we follow and this love that we say we have experienced. In summarizing this whole section, Paul tells us not to allow ourselves to ever be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. It is so easy to get angry and just lash out at our enemies. It is so easy to say they started it. It is so easy to say they deserve it. But it is definitely not what we're called to do. We are challenged to love them and to show them grace because this is the way of Christ. Now, this doesn't mean that we put up with injustice or oppression. It just means that we go about producing change in good ways and we don't allow ourselves to be overcome by evil. We don't allow ourselves to become part party to evil acts. We try to make sure that we are acting out of love out of care, and out of grace to the neighbor. Paul's writing to the church in Rome inspires us even today to continue to live out our faith in ways that reach the greater community with the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's concern for the neighbor is paramount when it comes to the way in which you and I are to live out our lives. He wants each and every one of us to continue to love genuinely, to continue to burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit, to continue to be in the service of the Lord, bringing about His kingdom here on earth, to continue to be praying unceasingly for everything that goes on in our world and in our lives and to continue to show hospitality and support one another in every way we can. He wants us to be part of the solution by bringing about the peace of Christ that overwhelms and takes over. As I read this scripture, I am, I am challenged. I am challenged to learn to find ways to have empathy and sympathy for my neighbor, to be able to show hospitality to strangers that I might not even know Jesus yet, and to continue 
to, to do these things so that God's kingdom might come here on earth. I pray that this scripture has been a blessing to you and that you continue to try to live out your faith, that you continue to be ardent in your prayers, and that you just continue to witness to everyone you meet that Jesus Christ is your Lord. I pray you have a blessed week, and we'll see you again soon.